Welcome to Behind the Backstop, episode 37, Baseball is a Numbers Game. And uh, today we have a special guest, John has joined us, and uh, we're going to talk about how baseball has always been known as sort of a numbers game, but how analytics and things like that can be used um, to better enjoy the game. So John, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So... Uh, you suggested this topic, so I'm just going to sit back and let you go. All right. So just a little background, though. You've mm -hmm. played baseball in, um, in high school and yep. when you were a wee little tot, but now you've uh, moved on and you're uh, a college man, mm -hmm. and uh, you're studying what? Data science. Data science. So this sounds like a real natural fit. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I remember... When you were, oh, by the way, in case you haven't figured it out, John's my son. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, John, John uh, has played baseball. Like I said, he played baseball a lot, and he always was really interested in looking at numbers and analyzing the game. So, this sort of studying um, data science isn't anything surprising to us. Um, but so far, um, you're enjoying it. Yep. And um, you're you're crunching the numbers uh, for things besides baseball right now but tell me mm -hmm. um what do you think is like the biggest um draw to, to using um, data and using analytics to um to look at the game of baseball well it goes against traditional ideas i mean some guys have reverse splits so instead of if they're left-handed batter sometimes they hit better against left-handed pitchers and traditional mm -hmm. wisdom says they would hit against righties better so like pinch hitting situations stuff like that is so old school baseballs you know they say you know it's one of the it's the unofficial rule book you know that that you know if you're ready pitchers um you know you're, aren't going to have as much or batters aren't going to have as much success against ready so mm -hmm. people try and substitute and play that but you know as the advent of um analytics have gotten you know more prominent in the minors and major leagues we're seeing some people breaking that rule successfully mm -hmm. And I th and I think it helps like teams that don't have as big as a salary cap as the major market teams if they can use analytics in a good way like the Rays did. I know obviously Blake Snell coming out early in the game, even though he's dominating, was a big uh, big nope. fiasco. But I think that's how the Rays just got there. You know, they, they didn't spend as much money on the big big name guys and were able to analyze their way through every situation and. And people thought that was an offense to the game. I mean, if, if it worked great, you know, it might have assigned some of the credits, but some people are like, oh, see. Um, but, you know, I think people are just kind of like, they are used to what they're used to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they think that there's some of these immutable laws that, you know, can't be broken or even challenged. Um, and, you know, there's the, uh, the look, like, you know, the scouting. Um, when we talk about scouting a little bit, like I'm, I'm not a major league scout, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I'd have many more subscribers to my podcast if I was, <laughs> probably, I think. Yeah. Um, or at least a seed sponsorship. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, there is, um, you know, I think there's been sort of the idea that you would have to go and see someone physically in person. Um, and I think that's still, to a certain degree, mm -hmm. especially for very young guys, like, you know, how do they, how to react to failure and things like that is, sort of things you can't measure through mm -hmm. um, a number or a statistic or, you know, looking something, an output from a spreadsheet. Right. But there are things that the human just isn't going to pick up on um, 
and be able to see in person? Like, what are some of those things? Well, uh, it really depends. Like, you know, you touched on you can't pick up as a on a spreadsheet. You know, physically, I think they've done a better job at biomechanics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking up on, uh, like, uh, I guess, arm fatigue. Mm. And, like, if they're using too much arm in their mm-hmm. pitching style, I know that's a big thing. So I... So that does take an eyeball. Someone has to yeah. kind of take a look at that and record it. Right. So... But the, but, they, but they have to buy into that being something to record and mm-hmm. track to begin with. Yeah. And uh, that's how you take, like, average guys, you know. You, you're you not always going to have the, these big, like, Framil Reyes, Aaron Judge, behemoths playing baseball mm-hmm. with them. So for the rest of the team, you need to... You know, if they're average bodies, I mean, these guys are professional athletes, but in, in their field, some guys aren't as muscular or tall as others. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can find a way to maximize their bodies through biomechanics and stuff like that, that's how you can, uh, because I, I know Trevor Bauer's big into it and he's, yeah. you know, falling well, out of. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the concepts are still the same, even though the people applying them are definitely flawed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... And that's a good point you made right there. So, like, probably um, every good team is going to have a few players. If we're just saying, you know, in the lineup, nine players. Um, probably going to have one or two, maybe three at the most. They're just mm-hmm. absolute standouts, you know, yeah. best in class. I mean, that's your super elite teams. Mm-hmm. But that still leaves roughly 66%. Yeah, if you're... And that's just the offense. Like, yes, that you get, rotation most guy at the time. You got like right one or two guys, and then you got bullpen, long relievers. And yeah, so if you're thinking, so if you're thinking just about you know offensively on the rotation, or, or excuse me, in the in the lineup, lineup yeah. um, so that's two thirds. Um, I'm really good at math. You can tell <laughs> two thirds. I'm doing this in my head. Right, two thirds of the the you can. The difference between winning and losing is probably getting the most out of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you figure the top three, the top, you know, 3%, they're going to more often than not perform well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, baseball being a game of failure and all that sort of stuff, you know, taking that. But it's the other ones that you can apply really smart looking at their potential strength, their potential areas of improvement that might not show up in, what, a batting average. Mm-hmm. Or um, even, you know, something like RBIs. Right. Like, so... Um, is that something you look at? Like, you know, I know traditional, I grew up, you'd look in the sports pages and you'd be looking at mostly a batting average, yeah. you know, um, for a, for a pitcher and earn run average, you know, wins and losses, obviously. Um, but what are some of the things that are out there now that, you know, as you're trying to do, you, I mean, you don't really play fantasy baseball, do you? I do, but like, I just go off. Not seriously. Know, yeah. <laughs> It's not a big enough league where I have to, you know, uh-huh. go in depth and find the underrated players. But just for your enjoyment, if you're trying to to analyze a player, or look at it, if you know, put put together a roster in your head, mm-hmm. what what are some of the things you would look at besides sort of the obvious? Well, on offense, there's a stat called OPS plus, and if you've watched any ESPN uh, broadcasts, they've mm-hmm. been uh, that's one of the stats they show. Mm-hmm. And OPS plus takes uh, on base percentage plus slugging, mm-hmm. and then average it for the league average. Okay. So 100 is the average number, and if you're above 100, you're probably above average, and below is below. So I think that's, it's very, uh, it takes a lot of stats that are familiar, mm-hmm. like on base percentage and slugging, like those are, I guess, more basics, mm-hmm. not not sabermetric stats. Right. And then finding the league average and mm-hmm. 
And for pitching, I look at ERA plus, which is the league adjusted. It's the same thing as OPS plus, but just for pitching and applies it to ERA. So those so those things take it out of uh you know what's a good batting average versus a bad batting average mm-hmm. or what's a good ERA versus a bad ERA to how is how are they stacking up against what the benchmark of um was the average or the mean for the rest yeah, of the league, right? It's it's a lot of statistical stuff and mm-hmm. percentiles and stuff. And I like looking at percentiles and Okay. Just to see like who's the who's the very, very best at what they do because a guy who hits three hundred is pretty good, but are they the best player? Tell me about what you're um you're doing um just for uh in your own free time um looking at was it minor leagues? Oh yeah, so I basically <laughs> took from fan graphs, I took the basic hitting stats for a player and if they qual if they were to qualify for the batting title, I include them in the data set. Mm-hmm. And basically I took the percentiles of their batting average, slugging percentage, ISO, which is I think slugging minus batting average, mm-hmm. and that's kind of to measure raw ho- like home run power. Okay. And then I took their walk percentage and K percentage of their total plate appearances, and put percentiles t- together and gave gave them a hit score. Okay. So and I think that like for OPS plus like on base kind of takes the walks and stuff together but i think if you do all of them together that's something you could do if you don't have as a substitute for ops plus if you Mm -hmm. have you know walk rate strikeout rate average uh slugging and iso i think that's so is is hit score something out there um that a lot of people look at or is that something sort of novel i think i'm one of the first ones to do it i follow uh pitcher digs on twitter okay and he's gotten hit scores and mm-hmm. I think he does some similar stuff, but Something not exactly. Yeah. So this is this is sort of a little recipe that you put up together. And why did why did you choose the things you chose to to put to go into that score? Well, batting average is That's pr- pretty indi- pretty good in- indicator for a contact. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'm actually trying to find like the the five major tools. So contact, power, speed, mm-hmm. arm, and fielding. I'm trying to find a a way to quantify those skills in the minor leagues and see if they translate now i haven't had much success okay i will admit that it's it's a bit of hit or miss but this is this is science after all yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and you, you so you, you put together um an idea and i you know it's you just have a thought and you're getting data together and you're seeing does this intuition i have be borne out in the numbers and so mm-hmm. um again you know it's not a failed experiment if you get you know valid data out of it what's what, what do you find out so far so I found out for a full so if you if you play a full season, it means you're probably a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. But obviously positional depth and stuff like that affects it. So I only for Mike Trout, for example, I only got his rookie season when he was seventeen at rookie ball. And I got him at I think A plus. Mm-hmm. So almost double A, not quite. Mm-hmm. And well I actually found out that he was the best overall average player if you take uh those hitting stats, as well as uh, a speed score, mm-hmm. which is basically taking their league averages and uh, quanti- putting it against league average and seeing if they're a higher or lower. Mm-hmm. And also a weight of stolen bases, which is basically like a stealing slash base running statistic. So, And I found out that if you took the average, he was the number one player mm-hmm. from 2006 to t- well, 2021 now. So that was pretty interesting. But and there's also a lot of misses, 
like uh, there's one catcher named Tomas Talis. Uh-huh. His uh, percentile was 96%, even though he stole three bases. Really? So, and well, one of the components of the speed score is, uh, I think, so they take the team's total like per run scored. Mm-hmm. And so how many runs you score divided by the team's total run scored. Okay. So, so, if, so if you, uh, yeah, if, if you score a lot of runs yourself or you, you score yourself, then you'll probably have a higher mm-hmm. speed score. So there's a lot of, you know, variation. I don't think he's that fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's not a name I've heard of. And, you know, yeah, I kind of follow baseball a little bit. Yeah, I, I was looking up his, like, major league stats. He's kind of a backup catcher. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because that is, I think, coming back to the human element, too. Like, you know, that he sounds like he has great skills. Is there, you know, is there either something that he's, he's not adapting well to the mm-hmm. game at the next level? Is there something, is there somebody ahead of him in, in the roster that's, you know, blocking him from, mm-hmm. you know, blooming? Is that... Is the the coaching philosophy different than you know fitting his needs? Yeah, well, I actually looked his batting average was like three thirty one. So he hit like he was uh-huh. a pretty he's a pretty good hitter, uh-huh. and that probably would explain why he scored as many runs as he did. Right, got on base so many times, and that probably led to a higher speed score. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you kind of look like to help? Um, like you mentioned that um, Major League Baseball, I mean they. They have all sorts of things that are tracking continuously mm-hmm. to the point now that there's even discussion, you know, having robot umpires because they have mm-hmm. so many different things monitoring what's happening in the game. Um, you know, and I don't, I think one of the reasons that games like football and basketball are more popular among young people is because they're more television friendly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have fixed dimensions and, you know, you can see they, you know, they're being a little bit more forward in a guy. You know, you'll be watching, I think, even a college game sometimes, and some of the networks will show, you know, the exact track of what the guy did, you know, yeah. show his maximum, you know, miles per hour he ran on that kickoff return, things like that. And you're just sort, sort of kind of starting to see it in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, it's really hard. Yeah, like you said, it's like football and basketball have set dimensions. Mm-hmm. And baseball, it's, you could be all over the place. You could have right. the green monster, you could have you know, 420 foot center Mm -hmm. field walls. And I think it was hard to get like radars to, well, plus, I mean, the baseball is a really small object compared to a football and a Uh, basketball. That's true. And it's really hard for, you know, a basic radar gun to accurately reflect it. So they needed to get, you know, sensors all over the stadium Mm -hmm. because it it would track fall balls too. Right. So, and I think that just the machinery wasn't up to. Right. I just want to mention, you mentioned foul balls. Think of a, a place like in Oakland where you have all that foul territory mm. versus a place, say, Boston, where, you know, the, the foul line literally is right at the base of the wall. You know, and that affects, you know, if that's your home ballpark, um, that's going to affect a lot of things. Like, mm. I mean, how many, how, how about a guy who's just a little bit off and he's following it off um, versus a guy who's just a little bit off, you know, and, you know, there is being tracked down and caught by an outfielder because, mm. you know, he had a lot more territory to right. cover. And I think like def- defensive metrics too, like a Boston left a left fielder for like that plays at Boston barely has to move. Mm-hmm. They got they basically just play it off the wall, and just see where it goes. You, mm-hmm. But in, if you play a right field in Boston, you're basically a center fielder at that point yeah. because it is it is almost deeper than center. I mean, 
and that so, rate and that um, right field pole is pretty mm-hmm. close. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why Mookie was so valuable for the World Series team when Boston won it in 2018. It's because he was basically like a second center fielder. He could cover so much range. He had a good arm. And uh, I don't think it's to be lost on building your team is also factoring in uh, ballpark dimensions. Um, here's a question for you. Like I mentioned, you played um, throughout high school and you played on you know teams um, from being very young. And at least in the, the later years, actually probably quite a few of the years, a lot of teams tracked the games in Game Changer. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what you think about that. I think it's all right. Um, I don't know how much the coaches use it. Mm-hmm. It's more of a feel thing. Like especially, correctly? Than, yeah. Well, not even correctly. It's You know who are the good players on the team or not. Mm-hmm. So, And plus, I mean, if you're facing... So, say I play travel ball. Mm-hmm. And we play, you know, a rec team that is basically yeah. a bunch of all-stars. Yeah. Like, if you hit two home runs against them, it's not really going to be as meaningful as if you hit two home runs against you know a top tier team in your state yeah and uh and we all know that some teams would actually get into tournaments where they knew their the competition was going to be a little bit i'm not saying there's any teams you played on but no you know we, we've seen we've seen some teams that would get into tournaments that you know they knew that they had a better chance of winning because they liked that trophy on the, mm-hmm. on the walls you know when people yeah. come in and put plunk their money down and write their check you know, you see all those trophies on my kids going to be on a winning team where I think a lot of time at, you know, for youth baseball, um, it's nice to win. It's always fun to win. Right. It's you, for, you're, for morale, you need to win. You're, yeah. Right? You're on teams that won a lot and you're on teams that didn't win very much. <laughs> yeah. You know, and winning was a lot more fun, but I think a lot of programs have a better philosophy of trying to develop the individual players, work with them and, um, you know, have them at whatever level they're at progress their game, you mm-hmm. know, um, so I think a tool like Game Changer would be great if you do swipe right and look at the things that are like the more advanced stats and mm-hmm. some of the things like... I mean, quality at-bats. Yeah, quality at-bats. Well, like... Define quality at-bats because, I mean, you don't have to have the exact definition, but yeah. what does it basically mean? So basically, uh, you you want to work the pitcher yeah. is essentially what you want to do. Even if, even if you don't uh, get a hit or hit a home run or you know get mm-hmm. these extra bases... If you can work work the pitcher, you know, fries their count, pitch count, you get them out early in the game, you go to their next best option most mm-hmm. of the time, and you can uh, you can better your chances of winning, I think, flat out. But uh, So here's the, because uh, um, we referenced Game Changer earlier, I know quality of bats probably defined maybe differently in different places. Um, you know, one of our previous guests on here was the author of One Pitch Warrior, and I know, you know, he's a um, very large advocate of looking at things beside batting average and ERA and wins and losses because mm-hmm. there's so much more that can go on in a game rather than that sort of thing. Um, but so the quality at bats and game changer is, according to this website, um, <laughs> which I hope is reputable, uh, is one of the following. At bat with three pitches after two strikes, like you're saying, working mm-hmm. the pitcher. At bat with six plus pitches, again, Working. you're not you're not doing too quick. Um, extra base hit that makes sense. Hard hit ball. Well, see, this is where game changer gets into be a little bit. Yeah. Um, define a hard hit if you're the coach or the the volunteer parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hard hit. 
I think there's a this is at least in the major leagues there's mm-hmm. a statistic called barrel, barreling the ball up, mm-hmm. and you have to hit it above I think ninety five miles an hour and have a certain launch angle mm-hmm. to go along with it. I believe. Yeah. So, in the major leagues, you could probably quantify it better yeah. than youth ball. It's especially at like you know nine and ten. You you'd, yeah. you know. It probably depends a lot if it's, it's just your, the sound of the bat. It's, it's probably a lot. It depends if you're, it's your kid or not. Or, yeah. You know. <laughs> There's thing. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> How generous they want to be. And give There's that a up. lot of bias. <laughs> the, the other walk. And here's, that's a part of the game that I, gosh, I wish more people would appreciate the con- good contribution of a walk. Um, you know, one of your brothers who shall remain nameless for this podcast um, is really good at drawing walks. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, he's usually kind of aggravated if he didn't get a hit. I'm like, yeah, but you walked like two or three times. You're on base, you yeah. know. Um, you worked that pitcher. You, you know, you got yourself on base. That's important. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people don't crow about getting a walk. They, they, right. They're they proud about getting a triple or a double or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, at the very least, you're not recording an out. Right. You, know? yeah. you might do it on the baseline, but, or yeah. on the base path, but you're, you're you know, keeping that inning going. Mm-hmm. Um, other quality at bats are um, sacrifice one or sacrifice fly, mm-hmm. and again, I think a lot of probably parents sitting in their um, folding chairs yeah. behind the backstop, as Coach, they will coaching from the stands. Coaching from the stands, you know, they they might or may not always get what a sacrifice that the, mm-hmm. that was actually a sacrifice versus he was trying to hit a homer. It just fell a little short, right? Um, you know, but you you can see at higher levels, mm-hmm. you know, that was obviously intentionally what that person was trying to do. They may have given up their at bat to sacrifice, so. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think uh, to be a complete hitter, not to just be a power hitter or whatnot, and I think this has gotten lost in a lot of people, is that you draw walks. Yeah. Juan Soto, who I think is the best pure hitter in baseball right now, draw 54 walks on a full count. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. that is insane. Wow, that's he, discipline. Yeah. And that's why I think uh, it's important for, you know, to preach, if you're a coach, just preach, work to the count, if it's not your pitch, you don't have to swing at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't swing for the fences all the time. You know? M- well, most kids aren't capable of hitting home runs unless they're, yeah. you know... Very gifted. Yeah. Um, and maybe facing a pitcher that's not as gifted. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, and this isn't necessarily, you know, truly about statistics, but um, should you take a first pitch? Or is that always going to be the best pitch of your at-bat that you should um, be aggressive on it. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit of a nuanced question, and I'll probably give a weak answer. Well, it depends uh, is an answer in a lot of yeah. a lot of life. <laughs> yeah, to what extent. Um, and I think it, you should probably just be looking for fastballs all the time. Mm-hmm. If it's not a first-pitch fastball, don't swing it because – and I think, I mean, the major leagues, too, I feel like this is the case. Like, your batting average goes up, as I like to say, batting average is the thing <laughs> they set, like, like, batting average, you know, slugging and stuff, goes up when you swing at fastballs mm-hmm. at the first pitch. And, you know, trying to hit a moving ball, well, they're all moving, but mm-hmm. moving both, like, vertically I'm and horizontally, yeah. you know, is harder to square up than one that's just going straight down the middle. If it's, if it's your pitch, swing at it. What about the... Um... Again, we're getting far afield from the statistics side of things, but I think it kind of it does um, bear out over time. You know, you have to sort of have a short memory and a long memory at the same time, mm-hmm. right? 
So a short memory of failures that have happened because of you might have done the right thing. You might have hit the ball hard, but you hit it right to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think every player has that sort of stretch where they're being aggressive, they're hitting the ball hard, but they're just not placing it yeah. where they ain't. I've had a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, for, you know, the, you know, our audience, intended audience for this podcast <laughs> are like baseball parents. What if you were a parent or a coach, would you say to a, a guy, you know, who's maybe 12, 13, 14, 15 in a situation like that? I'd say just keep doing what you're doing. They're going to fall eventually. Um, yeah. Statistically, they will. St- statistically speaking, if the, the harder you hit the ball, the better chance of you're getting it on base. You're going to, you know, get your desired outcome. And that's the thing I want, if I could touch on changing subjects is. You're the guest. You can do whatever you like. <laughs> all right. So uh, basically like hitting the ball hard. All right. So you want to hit, hit the ball hard and far because the most desired outcome and the most efficient, you know, offensive thing you can do in the game is hit a home run is that you know it's yeah you you just get the run well if you look at major league baseball that seems to be the thing that gets yeah paid. and um personally i'd like to see a change in that or at least from a management standpoint get guys who have different skills yeah you don't need 10 or well nine framil races you need a couple david fletchers you need a couple contact hitters you, you need, need a couple guy, guys that can get on base get on so base, when the guy does hit lay, that. lay down a sack bunt yeah you know uh he's Right now, the trend I see is everyone's trying to hit home runs. It's not fun to watch. Nobody's putting the ball in play. And that's why I don't think Rob Manfred gets, you know? Yeah. When you put the ball in play, it's more fun. It's more fun for the fielders. It's more fun for the hitters. It's more fun for the fans. It's more fun for everyone. If you put the ball in play, you know? So, I guess, you know, and some some of the things they're trying to do, I think, is messing with the game with the clock for the pitcher. And, <laughs> you know, you have to stick with the pitcher for you know, three batters and things like that to a certain degree is, you know, intended to help give, you know, maybe, um, you know, cause there wasn't a lot of scoring, uh, and it's supposed to try and tamp it down. Obviously I think designated hitter is probably going to be permanent in the national league, right? Yeah. That's the trend where it's going, but then you don't get great baseball moments like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run. <laughs> That's right. Like, that, that is, is one of the all-time moments for, you know, kids in my generation. Bartolo Colon hit a home run. It's this big, <laughs> fat guy just hitting a home run. You know? And that and that's fun to watch. And that's... You'll, you'll miss that by taking the DH in. Yeah. Know? And strategizing, too. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know who said it, but, like, somebody said that National League is chess while the American League is checkers. Right. Because, you know... You have to, when to pull the pitcher and all that kind of stuff. So, so I'm a, a Cleveland Guardians fan. Have been since their existence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 1901, they were established. Um, but growing up watching a lot of good Indians teams um, and their managers, Terry Francona. And, you know, one of the reasons he was great in Boston and he was great in Cleveland, had so many weeding seasons, is that he had, he could play the lefty righty, not mm-hmm. necessarily exactly by the baseball, you know, conventional wisdom. He was sometimes sometimes criticism against him as he left a guy in too long, you know, mm-hmm. out of quote unquote loyalty or whatever, and, and that may or may not be true. But he really could work with his bullpen and mm-hmm. construct a bullpen. I remember a couple of years they would, you know, expand the bullpen when the rosters could expand and then take a position player. They take up a pitcher, yeah, because that's how he managed. And I think. Some of these rules from, you know, from Manfred and the three batter at minimum it really is, has an opportunity to take away the people who are, are mm-hmm. and, and the Guardians have been, 
a um, a a one of the teams that was focused on money ball or statistics mm-hmm. or, or analytics. Yeah, it t- takes out the mid mid uh, mid market and small market teams. Yeah, and basically just gives you Dodgers, Yankees. Um, Astros did a good job of developing talent, so I'll leave them out. But uh, you know, well, from, big big payrolls. You know, roll from a. Television contract, and if you look at baseball as though it's just another entertainment business, which you know to a degree it is, um, that sort of thing makes sense. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole push to make the pace of play quicker is to make it fit within that window of being able to uh, fit into TV programming better. Yeah. Um. So I think that that's one of some of my gripes against you know the way that Major League Baseball is doing things now. I don't follow every single team in the major leagues front offices what they do but there's probably not a front office in major league baseball that doesn't have somebody who is trying to find that that secret sauce in the numbers mm-hmm. um and i don't think you know probably there may be some i don't know tony larusa maybe because he's so old school he thinks it's you know it, it's not worth it but there's probably you got the guys like kevin cash yeah uh, who you know was an accolade of, of terry francona and, and other people across I think to a certain degree, Dave Roberts, even though he's an old school baseball guy, he, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the success they've had in LA, I mean, Barbara's payroll, but yeah, I think they also, you know, they're good at developing talent, can make the acquisitions, they can make trades, they can have a lot of things done to get the best team out there possible in well, their eyes. Unless you talk about the mid market team, you know, the Yankees can afford to pay their mistakes, mm-hmm. the Guardians can't. Yeah. So the ones are cheap. I don't necessarily like that. I think we just spend our mu- money. A lot more efficiently than the Yankees do. Just in one particular instance, um, and he's in New York, not a Yankee, but Lindor. Um, I know you have feelings about Lindor. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it was really obvious that, you know, the, the fan base was like, oh, the Dolans are cheap because they're not signing Lindor. They tried. They tried, yeah. they tried to overpay him for what they would be able to afford on their payroll. And he said, no, no, no. He, he knew all along he was going to go to a larger market. Mm-hmm. It was going to be L.A. or New York, probably. People think that they're using the mid-market thing as a um, as an excuse. It's really true. They, they can't. They, they they can't, you know, sign Chris Davis to a seven-year, $158 million deal. Yeah. You know? And that's when they have to do things like develop young and use um, the intuition plus the, the data to make good decisions. And I might add that, like, payroll-wise... If the younger the team, the typically less you'll have. The more guys you'll have at league minimum, mm-hmm. like with I think like half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And if you you know, if they're good young talent, like why not bring them up? And, and that's why they talk about windows a lot. Well, this is a window they're in right now. Um, you know, or that window is closed because you know the people that you've been counting on are going to go to free agency soon. Um, I think the window for the Guardians is still open to a degree. It might even mm-hmm. actually be open a little bit more now with some of the people they have coming up it's it's exciting to watch or think about at least because you got a bunch of guys who are hungry you can hit Mm -hmm. typically in a we've been very pitcher heavy um Mm -hmm. hence the forkball g yeah i mean (laughs) you know we're we can develop guys you've never heard of and they're on somehow aces and but now i think we got a good balance of hitters and pitchers even though we're pretty mid middle infield heavy but that could open up trades and maybe that's, mm-hmm. that's how we get to the next level get to the world series back again I, right and i think by the end of this decade we're in the world series oh i certainly hope i so. 
I, I just think the talent is too much for mm-hmm. to not do anything with it. So, well, I, I hope so too. Um, but you know, it was kind of like um, you kind of wonder what the the John Hart Mike Hargrove teams would have been like, you know, in ninety three ninety four if they had some of this advanced data analytics. Yeah. Um, but they kind of were employing that sort of idea of um, you know go with people with smaller contracts that you know may not be the big names. Um, to build a team and stay, stick with that team as long as you can to see the results. And they had pretty good results. And as mu- I want to just note that as much as I love you know, statistics and data and all this stuff, I hope I don't think you should, yeah, I don't think you should go solely off of it. Right. I think there's a certain balance you need to have. And uh, I was actually watching a video with, it was an interview with the head scouting director at, uh, with the Mariners. And he said, one year we just like rely too much on the data Mm-hmm. And then the next year we rely too much on, you know, the traditional ideas of mm-hmm. scouting. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get the draft class we didn't necessarily like and they underperformed. So we're they're still trying to find the balance of, you know, statistics and traditional scouting to build a World Series contender. And, that, and they're on the right track. So, so if you um, would have to do it over again um, as far as uh, playing... As a you, what would you what would you tell maybe someone who's listening to this who is a few years younger to you maybe if if their team for instance does do game changer should they look at the the uh, batting average should they look at their um, you know quality at bats is should they should they look at that or should they um, just try and stay kind of in the moment I'd say stay in the moment enjoy it um, stats really don't mean anything at the level anyways mm-hmm. there's there's not really a way you can adjust for the team you're playing skill level yeah. in yours you know that's true and it's and i think for like league adjustment like it's easier to give than to like or no it's it's not easy to give because if you strike out against a really good pitcher and really good at bat you can't you know they're probably not going to add a strikeout or, or take away your strikeout right so Oh, then there's always the variable of the umpiring, the officiating. Yeah. Which I guess is in the major league, the minor league, everywhere. Yeah, I, I think from a hitting perspective, just develop a, just try to get a good sense of the strike zone and make sure you hit the ball hard when you mm-hmm. do hit it and use use all fields. So I think, you know, it's less, you know, quantifiable, the skills you need to develop. And, um, do you think there's opportunity or room or do you think it would be a smart idea for um, coaches, like on travel teams or in jv high school teams to you know like i say swipe swipe i guess was a left or is it right to get to the um the more you know um, not traditional statistics is do you think again maybe because the short season in high school doesn't make sense maybe um i don't know what are your thoughts on that yeah sample size like if you have one bad week in high school baseball that's literally like 20 percent or 25 percent <laughs> of your statistics right so i think if you're trying to make a decision and you have two players that are equally as good mm-hmm. and they're pretty much the same, then go with statistics. But most of the time, that's not the case. You mm-hmm. know who the guys who work the hardest are, have the best skills, and who just need to get developed. And yeah. Put, and, you know, statistics in high school aren't really meaningful. I think Besides I think, wins. Especially yeah. young guys, I think the coaching to them how to handle failure mm-hmm. and how to you know keep playing through those streaks where you're hitting it hard but it's being caught that's probably the more useful school than you know digging into mm-hmm. some of the analytics maybe yeah like in high school develop character not you know statistics because but on the other hand you could um use some of those things to help 
buck up a guy who's just looking at batting average. Right, right. You know, if, if you say, hey, listen, I, those walks that you took are good, you know, mm. that that sort of thing. Yeah, they help the team, you know. Yeah. Um, and focus on team, not the individual player. Uh, because I think if if it's a tight bond between the players, rely on team. But if there's a bunch of, like, selfish guys out there, you yeah. know, who... Or are just looking at their own numbers. Yeah. And say, hey, I know you don't have as big a bang as this guy, but you still have a role in the team mm-hmm. that helps to diversify our lineup mm-hmm. to the point where we, we can win and just keep doing what you're doing or try and walk more if they're, yeah. that, that's the adjustment they need to, need to do. Like, be more patient or uh-huh. don't be so inclined to swing at every pitch you see. Or right. I, I don't know what adjustment they would need, but mm-hmm. do whatever to get their morale up, but also be honest with them. Like, right. You know know what their skill set is and you know if they're trying to swing for the fence and they just know mm, what to do yeah it. if they're just a scrawny like five 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 guy you know yeah they're <laughs> high school depends where you live but if you live in the northeast it's it's in, you have to be super strong and uh-huh. get the right pitch at home and it's, oh yeah like the winter time well it's it's spring but it's still you can get 30 degree days and it's like <laughs> it's just not and, gonna and happen 20 mile an hour winds and you're like because that's what we try to do in one game it's like we couldn't hit it even like line drive, so we just try to get on the ground. Uh huh. So, very good. Well, anything else you'd have to to talk to either uh, a baseball parent or a baseball player to help them kind of think about using statistics to look at the game, or or just enjoy uh, the game of baseball itself if they're watching it on TV. Nothing. I I just say enjoy the game. Like statistics can like be overbearing, and mm-hmm. you know, you get in your head about betting average, quality at bat percentage, and yep. You know, especially as a player, you know if you're doing good or not. Like yeah, yeah, that's right. And you get in your own head a lot. Uh huh. You know, the best ones rise above it and say, "Hey, I can yeah. get the next step at or next game." Or, because you're not always gonna be even, Steven. Well, it, they, it's very hard to be consistent. Well, the thing that uh, we talk about a lot, like one of the reasons we spend a lot of time investing in in our kids playing ball. You know, we well, first of all, we enjoy it. But secondly, well, there's so many life lessons that you can learn in it, like how to handle adversity, how to work with other people, yep. how to take criticism and that sort of thing. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's probably something to take away too. Your individual stats aren't as important as some of the things you're learning because, let's face it, very, very few guys go and play. Even college ball. In college ball or, you know, you know the pros or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you're younger... If you have a younger athlete, even if they're a really standout athlete, the involvement in, in youth sports is probably something you, you that you can't measure so well a game changer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it's a problem today, especially like youth baseball. It's like, you know, it's either kind of like travel ball or nothing mindset for yeah. a lot of kids. Like not, not enough of them have enough motivation to play rec ball. And, you yeah. know, I think the more you play baseball, the more you enjoy it. I yeah. mean, it's a fun game. It's, it's super unique. And I think, you know, it's it's unlike basketball or football. You know, you got dimensions, and there, there there's something for everyone in baseball. I still think it's America's game. I yeah. know people would give me an argument on that, but it it's a more timeless game to me than mm-hmm. some other games. And I love the fact that there's unique dimensions. There, there's no clock. There's, yeah, there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be right. Like, you know, it's not you don't have to finish in two hours. Or right. Unless right. you're I'm youthful, but Major League Baseball, you could spend four hours or. Tune out to us. Thanks for, for joining us. You're welcome to come back anytime if you have topics you want to talk about. Yep. Maybe after the Guardian season starts, we can you know dive into some of those stats mm-hmm. and see how they're doing yeah. or whatever, or Major League Baseball at all. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Thanks for joining me for episode 37. And uh, anyone listening that has ideas for, uh, for upcoming episodes, you can go to behindthebacksot.com and uh, fill out the contact us form and let us know um, your ideas there. Um, if you have a, like, a topic or just even something you think we'd, be, we'd like to talk to, let us know. Um, and thanks for listening. See you next time on Behind, Behind the, the Backstop. Backstop.